Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. Good morning, Christ Community Church. Hey, there we go. Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, so we're jumping in this morning to spiritual warfare, and we're talking about um, Satan and demons and angels and all that kind of stuff and how you deal with all that. Um, and it's, it's, it's either God has a sense of humor or irony or, or, or something. It's, I, I get ready to preach on this, and, and Megan and I just have like the roughest week like ever. Her dog dies. I got sick. She starts breaking out in hives from head to toe. I mean, it's just been like one of those weeks. I'm pretty sure she's just been like, you couldn't preach on something else, bub, you know? Um, because we've just had this just onslaught of stuff. And she's on her way back from Cincinnati right now. And it's just been a, a rough week. But as I, I was teaching this morning, we finished up the book of Acts this morning in free seminary. Um, when you look through scripture, and, and you really study scripture, and you see people like Paul and Peter and so forth, and what they went through and what their attitude was, you come to the conclusion that even if you've had a rough week, I'm a wimp. You know, because you look at these guys who just, they, they just get, they get battered and beaten and imprisoned and everything, and what do they do? They sing hymns, and they just start praising God, and they keep preaching and all this other kind of stuff. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. And I want to talk about this morning. We're going to go look at Ephesians 6, 12 here in a second. Um, before I get there, one other thing. As you can tell, we're set up for the Thanksgiving dinner tonight. If you did not get tickets, we do have a few extra tickets because we had some cancellations. So you can see Dad afterwards if you didn't get tickets. I think we have like maybe 10 left or something like that. So if you want tickets, we can... We can what's that? Already paid for. There you go. Um, no more comments from the peanut gallery. Anyway, um, I, but, we have, uh, but we have those tickets. Also, if you are, are really looking to dig in and help and earn some brownie points, uh, we'll be setting up the rest of the chairs right after church. If you want to help us and jump in and do that, that would be great. Now, let's jump in to talk about spiritual warfare. Ephesians 6.12. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. He writes this. For our struggle, and that word there in Greek is very interesting, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. He's talking about Satan and his demons. And the word struggle there uses the Greek word is actually the same Greek word used for hand-to-hand -hand combat. He says it's that kind of fight. It's that kind of struggle. Now, you may not think about this. You may not consider this. If you're anything like me, you don't wake up in the morning and, 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 and you're facing a bad day or you're having struggles. And you, the first thing you think of is probably just woe is me. You don't think Satan and demons. But the thing is, the Bible's very clear. Satan exists. Demons exist. And especially if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, what the Bible makes clear is they want to devour 
you. They prowl around you, looking for ways to destroy you and to destroy your relationship with Jesus Christ, ultimately to destroy your soul. That's what they want. Now, I know this freaks some people out, all that kind of stuff, and, and, and so I waited till we were past Halloween to get, get through this, but we need to know, Paul makes this very clear in Corinthians, you need to know who your enemy is and how your enemy works. And our enemy is Satan. Okay, where does Satan come from? Here's where it comes from. According to Scripture, and Scripture doesn't give us like a full bio or anything like that, but it does give us glimpses of who Satan is. Here's the deal. Satan it was an angel. By best we can tell, his real name is Lucifer. Satan appears to be a title that was given to him. Satan means accuser. And so his, his name as an angel was Lucifer. And according to the book of Ezekiel, he was very beautiful. In fact, he was without defect. And he knew it. Ezekiel says not only was he beautiful, he was vain. He was incredibly vain. He was very smart. He was very beautiful. And he knew it. And he loved himself. He loved himself to the point that he rebelled against God. Now, I need you to understand something. Angels are created beings. Angels have not always existed. It's very clear from Scripture, Genesis 1-1 and on, the only thing that has existed from, from before time began is the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. That's it. Everything else was created. In the beginnings, you created the heavens and the earth. And that word heavens in Hebrew means not just the universe, but angels and so forth. He created, God created angels before he created humankind. They existed before we did. But the interesting thing is that in Scripture it points out that the angels do have free will. They can, and some of them have rebelled against God, but they do not get forgiveness like we do. There is no opportunity for angels to repent. Only human beings can repent and find forgiveness. Angels cannot. And certain angels followed Satan in his rebellion. And as a result of that, God cast them out of heaven. They no longer were able to serve directly under God. He cast them to earth. It, scripture here, you have to kind of piece things together. But here's the deal. In pop culture, if you've watched anything from South Park or whatever, you've seen like images where Satan is reigning in hell, right? Right? Wrong. Not true. Satan is not in hell. Satan is on earth. Matthew 25 makes it very clear that hell is a place of ultimate punishment for Satan and his demons. They do not want to go there. It is not like Satan and his demons are partying in hell. They're not down there. I don't care what Adam Sandler movie you've seen. They're not down there listening to Ozzy Osbourne and ACDC. They don't want to go there. When we get to the Gospel of Mark in January, what you're going to see again and again, when Jesus confronts demons, what do they do? They beg him, beg him out of fear. Please do not cast us into the abyss. The abyss would be hell. They're afraid to go there, and they're afraid of Jesus Christ. That's something else you need to keep in mind. 
in pop culture, I've seen this. There's this idea that here is God, and God is good. Here is Satan, and he is evil. And they are equal and opposite powers. Not true. Satan is not the equal to the Father, to the Son, or to the Spirit. Satan, in fact, is under their power. If God says, Satan, stop, he has to stop. We see this in the book of Job. Satan is not all-powerful, but he is powerful. And it is serious. And the best we can tell, like I said, Scripture's not entirely clear. The best we can tell, here's what happened. Jewish writers, especially in a lot of Jewish books that were written in between the Old Testament and New Testament, they talk a little bit about Satan and his demons. And what they say was one of the things that Satan and his demons were very jealous of is us. Because we were made in the image and likeness of God, and because we were offered forgiveness, and because of all that, the angels were very, very jealous, Satan especially, because Satan thought he was just so good-looking, and he was so wise, and so forth. He could not believe that God would give all this love and attention to little old us. And he became jealous, and he rebelled. And out of that jealousy, he has continued to try to prey upon us. Evil apparently did not even exist until Satan rebelled. There was no evil in God's creation until Satan rebelled. Now there's evil. In fact, this is what used to haunt me as an atheist. From age 15 to age 25, I was an atheist. And what used to, one of the things that really bothered me was this. There are some things we look at and we just say, that's evil. Whether we believe in God or not, if we see something like the Holocaust, we say that is evil. We look at the scandal that's, that's racking the, the, the Catholic Church with the abuse of children, we say that is evil. But, if you're not a Christian, if you don't believe in God, can you really say that? If all we are are just, you know, the product of random mutations and accidents over, over billions of years, if that's all we are, if we are just purely physical beings and that's all we are, is anything really evil? No. There is no good, there is no evil, unless there is a creator who sets a standard. That used to bother me as an atheist. As an atheist, I knew I was being hypocritical if I looked at anything and said, that is evil. But even then, I knew. So, for example, I heard a, a uh, scientist talking once about this. And I, as far as I could tell, the guy was an agnostic or an atheist. And he studied, for whatever reason, monkeys. I don't like monkeys. I think monkeys, little monkeys, are evil. They are. I was attacked by a spider monkey when I was a kid. All right? You get one of those things on your head, clawing at your eyes, you will absolutely come to fear those little evil things. But he said, well, here's one of the things he noticed about monkeys. He said that when he was studying these monkeys, one monkey 
would steal a piece of fruit from another monkey. The other monkeys did not get upset. They didn't do anything. He had a piece of fruit. A bigger monkey took it. Done. But what happens if we witness a human being taking something from another human being? We get upset. Why do we get upset? If Darwin is right, if we're just the products of evolution, we shouldn't get upset. We should care less. We should be like the monkeys. But we're not. We get upset at injustice. We see it. We don't like it. That's because we are made in the image and likeness of God. And because we're made in the image and likeness of God, we know there is good and we know there is evil. And the author of evil is Satan. And he's very, very real. And his army of demons is very, very real. And I need you to know that. And there's a reason why. Here is how, now that you have a little background there, understand, again, there will come a time, according to Scripture and final judgment, where Satan and his demons are cast into hell. Apparently, if I'm reading Scripture correctly, some demons are already cast into hell. That's one of the reasons why, when you look at Matthew and Mark and Luke, so that you have this legion of demons, and they beg Jesus, please don't send us into the abyss yet. Please don't send us into the abyss yet. Because some are already there, according to 2 Peter. Some demons are already there. And on Judgment Day, Satan and the rest of his demons will be cast into there. They fear it. That's who they are. That's where they're going. And understand something. I take this very, very seriously. This is what bothers me. Even though, as you guys know, I love scary movies. I love to go all that kind of stuff. I like that kind of stuff. But I don't mess around with stuff like tarot cards, Ouija boards, horoscopes. I don't mess around with any of that stuff. I've been scared of that stuff even when I was an atheist. And I've got stories you can look up on Facebook about that, about why, because there's a couple times where it really freaked me out. I don't mess with that stuff, and here's why. The Apostle Paul writes that Satan often disguises himself as an angel of light. And so what Satan will do is he will offer something, and it appears good, and then he'll take you down a road, and then he pounces. And I've seen it happen. I've seen people very close to me, I've seen them get into, they started off with, this is not against yoga, but so I have friends who got into yoga. That's fine. I'm not anti-yoga, okay? Stretch all you want. But then they started to get into the Eastern philosophy behind yoga. And the next thing I knew within a year or so, they were no longer Christians. I know this sounds weird, but I'm telling you, that's demonic. Because that's exactly what Scripture says Satan wants to do. To destroy you and especially your relationship with Jesus Christ because despite the fact that he knows more than you, despite the fact that physically, according to the Bible, he's more beautiful than any of us, he's jealous of you. And he's jealous of you 
because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because the love the Father, Son, and Spirit has for you, that makes him jealous. Okay, that's who he is. That's where he's going. How does he work? Let's take a look in Genesis. Take a look in Genesis 3, verse 1, and take a look and see how Satan works. Now the serpent, we know that Satan, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say, Satan still does that, by the way. If you study and know Scripture and you come across something that really hurts, and by the way, you're not reading Scripture if you don't come across something that really hurts, and you will have still, if you see it there and you know you're sinning and you know you need to repent and you know you need to turn, it's right there in black and white. I guarantee you, Satan will in some way, shape, or form say, but did God really say? And you will try to twist it and he will try to twist it. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, well, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Notice where he goes next. Oh, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. He questions scripture. He questions God's motives and honesty. Verse 5, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Stop there for a second. What does that mean? Here's what it means. Before the fall, Adam and Eve knew God says, do this, don't do that. But there is a difference between knowing this is right and this is wrong and really knowing good from evil. There is a time in all of our lives, when we're, usually when we're children, when we go from, I know I'm being disobedient, to seeing something and going, whoa, wait a minute, that is evil. And that knowledge of good and evil is something that, as a parent, is heartbreaking to see your kid experience for the first time. When your kid really, you, they get it. They sit, oh man, that's, that's evil. When that hits home, That's more than head knowledge. When that hits your heart and soul, it's heartbreaking to see. Adam and Eve have never experienced evil. They haven't experienced it. And what does Satan do? He said, but hey, don't you want to be like God? Don't you want to be like God? And what he's really doing is he's taking them away into disobedience They're going to get what they want, and they're going to realize once they have it, they didn't really want it. And that's what happens with sin all the time. Verse 6. And when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, which sin always looks good. Sin always is pleasing to our eyes, is it not? It just is. And desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband. He's standing right there, by the way. Who was with her, and he ate it. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed thick leaves together and made coverings. So said, all right. Satan still deals with us that way. He still questions God's word. He questions God's motives and character. 
And you've all done it if you've suffered. Now, and everyone suffers if they live long enough, right? If you have not suffered, you will eventually. And when you suffer, what happens? The worst part of that is, what do we do? Does God really care? Does God really love me? Is God really good? Do you know what that is? That is the serpent again. Did God really say, does God really care? Does God, is God really good? Questioning God's word, questioning his character, questioning his motives, and then he presents something that's pleasing to the eye, and we bite, and the next thing we know, we're in open rebellion against our own creator. Our own creator who died on a cross to save us. We're in rebellion against him because we listened to a demon. So what do we do? Well, first of all, you have to know this. You have to know your enemy, know how he works, know when this comes. And then the second thing, what does Jesus do when he's tempted? For those of you who know Scripture, you remember that when Jesus is tempted, by the way, in the Greek, he's being tempted continuously for 40 days. The three examples we see in Matthew and in Luke are just that. They're examples and, but Satan is just coming at Jesus and coming at Jesus and saying, come on, don't you want something to eat? Come on, come on. Can't, we, don't, we don't have to go to the cross. Just show yourself. Throw yourself off the temple. Then people will worship you. They'll know you're the Messiah. Come on. How does Jesus himself handle the temptation from Satan? He quotes Scripture. Is it not written? You come under demonic attack. One of the ways to handle it is to quote Scripture. Because if it works for Jesus, it's going to work for you. Quote Scripture. But that means you need to know Scripture. You have to study it. You have to know. Amen. Yes. There's another way too. If you'll remember from the Gospels. And by the way, as I said, I've, I've been sick all week. I'm, I'm, I'm okay now. I don't think I'm contagious. But um, last night I had to tap out early because my energy just went vroomp. And so if that happens this morning, well, you're not going to complain if I stop early. What am I saying? Um, anyway, it, what else do you see? What you see in the Gospels, there is this time when Jesus goes up onto the mountain. He takes Peter and he takes John with him. And he goes up onto the mountain and he's transfigured there. And then he comes down and the rest of the apostles are dealing with a demon-possessed boy. And they cannot get rid of the demon. And so they ask Jesus, what, what gives? I thought you gave us authority to do this. Why can we not get rid of this demon? And Jesus says, this one only comes out by prayer and fasting. Now, what does that tell us? This tells us, first of all, that there are a ranking of demons. There are some that are really powerful. There are some that are not as powerful. It also means this. When Jesus says this demon only comes out by prayer and fasting, what are you doing by praying and fasting? You're really doing nothing in the sense. You're not being an exorcist. 
You're not throwing holy water around and, you know, the Spirit of Christ compels you if you've seen the exorcist, you know, all that kind of stuff. You're not doing any of that stuff. All you're doing is you're not eating and you're praying. That's it. Why? What does prayer and fasting do? Prayer and fasting is all about you going before the throne of God and begging God to do something. And so Jesus is saying that even the toughest demon can be defeated by just going to the throne of God and letting God deal with it. It's God's work. At the end of the day, it is God's work. I was asked once, what would you do if you encountered someone demon-possessed? And I said, other than run the other direction? Um, I, fortunately, I don't have to pull the exorcist thing. You pray and you fast. And you quote scripture. That's what you do. All that being said. All that being said. You cannot blame your sin on Satan and his demons. You've all heard it. The devil made... Yeah. No, he didn't. Look at the way Satan dealt with Adam and Eve. He questions God. He questions God's character. He shines something that's appealing to the eyes. But does he force them to do it? No. Adam should have stepped on his head. Eve should have said, both Adam and Eve, both should have gone, hey, Lord, you want to weigh in on this? They had a choice. See, here's what Scripture teaches. Scripture teaches that as evil as Satan is, as evil as demons are, we have evil within us. And we have to recognize that. Let's take a look. Let's look at James, the book of James, chapter 1, 13 through 15. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt another. But each of you is tempted when you are dragged away by your own evil desires and enticed. It is inside of all of us. And Satan preys on that. He sees you. He knows you. His demons, they see you. They know you. They know your weaknesses, and they will prey on it. And that means if you're going to fight Satan, you have to know your weaknesses. You have to do that tough thing where you look in the mirror and say, okay, who am I really? What do I really struggle with? And you have to take that and bring it before the Lord. Or you will lose. It's not easy. No one likes to do it. I don't like to do it. I know at least some of my weaknesses. I know. I know that I want comfort. This week, when I was sick, I was not just miserable because I was sick. I was miserable because... I was just a whiny brat. I don't want to feel bad. 
I confronted that when I went through a major illness about six years ago. I'm sitting there with a hole in my back and all this other kind of stuff. And I remember sitting there going, God, what? Come on. I'm on your team. I'm working for you. What's this about? And it wasn't very pleasant when God basically told me, Really, Matt, you want what you deserve? And then I had to go, <laughs> No, I don't. I know that there are other weaknesses that I have. For example, this is going to come as a shocker. I can be an arrogant jerk. It's okay. Don't disagree with me. It's all right. Thanks for that. But, oh, yeah. I can't. It's, it's, and it's, it's ironic, isn't it? Here's, here's the strange deal. I love to study. I love to learn. I read 100, 150 books a year. I study Greek and Hebrew. Next year, I have to study German for my PhD program. I like doing that, too. And, I, I, and, and in my mind, I tell myself, of course, I'm doing this for the Lord. I'm learning scripture. I'm learning theology. I'm learning church history. I'm doing all this kind of stuff to help the church, to help expand God's kingdom. And then what does Satan do? Satan comes up and goes, yeah, because you're smarter than everyone, aren't you? See what he does? Do you see what he does? Not only does he prey on your weaknesses, he will take your strengths and turn them into weaknesses. And you've got to know what those are. Trust me, I get I can be an arrogant jerk. I understand it. I don't like it. I hate it. I pray about it. I fast about it. And I know when it happens, I'm just, I'm giving in to that evil desire within me. I don't like it. But it's there. It's there. That's what's within me. And I know there are probably other things that I can't see that I have blind spots. What are yours? You've got to know what your strengths and weaknesses are because that's where Satan will come at you. Because he's jealous of you and the relationship you have with God because, believe it or not, God loves you more than the angels. The angels don't get forgiveness. You do. And so you're going to come under attack. But you have to know what those things are. And it's not easy. Okay. Laid all that out there. You know who Satan is. You know who the demons are. You know who the angels are. You need to understand this. I understand that because, especially because of horror movies and pop culture and all that kind of stuff, we have a pretty healthy fear of the demonic. Right? Easily, one of the wildest experiences I have ever had was I was in a theater, I was traveling, and I was in a theater out of town, and I went to a midnight showing of paranormal activity. Anybody seen that movie? 
Okay, spoiler alert, it's about a demon. And when people realized this is not a ghost, it's a demon, you could see the expression on their face go from, oh. And you could sense that there was more fear. You don't have to fear the demonic. They fear your Savior. They fear Jesus Christ. If we're afraid of demons, demons are afraid of Jesus. I mean, they are terrified of him. Whenever a demon-possessed person comes across Jesus in the Gospels, what do they do? What do they do? It says in the Greek, they beg, and the Greek word in beg there means literally like begging for your life. Please, Son of God, don't send us into the void. Please. They are terrified of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ died for us. And so, if the one who loves us so much he would die for us terrifies the demons, why should we be afraid of them? And again, how do you deal with it? You go to God. Most famous story, of course, in the Bible about Satan is the book of Job. Satan shows up into God's court and says, you know that guy you like so much? I bet you I can break him. I bet you I can get him to turn his back on you. And God says, okay. But you can't kill him. You can take anything away from him, but you have to spare his life. Satan says, great. So he takes his wealth, he takes his family, and he takes his health Now, a couple things about that story is interesting. First of all, it should tell you something. If Satan knew how that bet was going to end up, he wouldn't have made it, which means Satan does not know the future. Only God does. Keep that in mind. And Satan, even though he knows you pretty well from watching you, he didn't know Job quite well enough, did he? So don't give him more credit than is due. And so he takes all this stuff away from Job, and Job at the end basically says, I just want to talk to God. And God shows up, and he has this conversation with Job. And the interesting thing is, God never mentions Satan once. Not once. Satan was the one who kicked all this off, and God never mentions him. Job never mentions him. And a theologian I was reading once said, that's because we don't have to deal with Satan, we just deal with God. And it was the same for us as it was for Job. We just go to God. Why pray and fast if if there's something demonic around? Because we're going to God. Why quote scripture? Because it's the word of God. It all is in the hands of God. All of it. You just go to God. Tempted, go to God. Under trial, go to God. Under attack, you go to God. You go to God. But understand... Sometimes, just as in Job, God will allow it to happen. We are all going to suffer. And as I was mentioning this morning in class, there's a reason why. 
Isn't it a shame that it takes loss, death, suffering to drive us to God? Be honest. When are you closest to God? When have you prayed hardest in your life? Isn't it not when you were suffering? How many times have you woken up, bills are paid, good night's sleep, feeling great, go, I want to pray. You don't do it. You don't sit there and really pray when things are going well. You really pray when you're scared and you're suffering and you're hurt. There's a reason why God allowed Satan to do his thing and continue to do so. Because unfortunately, it takes facing trial and suffering to get us to quit thinking about ourselves and focus on God. Doesn't it? That's why it exists. That's why Satan exists. That's why he allows him to go. But he is out there. He is out there. But you don't need to fear him. He fears your Lord. You remember that. Book of Revelation is pretty, it's, it's just, it's amazing. The second coming, Jesus shows up, he turns to the Lord, looks at Satan, goes, go. And he's gone. That's it. This powerful force that we've been raised to fear, Jesus just goes, go. And he's gone. That's the Lord we serve. It's the Lord we worship. And for reasons that just befuddle me, that's the Lord who died for me and for you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that despite the fact there's so much evil within us, so much evil in our world, you listen to us. You love us. You're there for us. We can always turn to you. I pray and I hope that it doesn't take suffering or loss or fear to bring us to your throne. Just who you are and what you've done for us, may that drive us to your throne, to worship you and to love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, here's the deal. If some of you can help out putting the, these chairs around the tables, that would be great. If you didn't get a ticket and you want a ticket to tonight's Thanksgiving dinner, which starts at 6 o'clock, uh, and our own Clint Arthur will be doing a little skit. We'll have some time for, for worship, and so all that will be happening. Then you can see Dad to get those tickets. If you want to help us, that would be great. In the meantime, God bless you. God goes with you. Don't give in to the demons even in New Boston. See ya. Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page.